0: Welcome back, everyone, to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations begin. Today, I am joined by Pastor Marcus Donaldson and our good friend, Ronnie Williams. How are we doing today, guys?
1: Doing great. Good. great.
0: Yeah, everybody feeling all right?
1: Yeah, just, you know, cold, as the listener can can tell. My voice sounds this morning, but I feel better, and I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yep, yeah, I think we've all been there over the past, like, couple months. Just everybody's had a cold at some point. Yep, so... Marcus you preached on uh, continuing on in chapter three verses eight through twelve and yeah I mean you had a you had a powerful Sunday and I for one was really appreciative of your vulnerability and your faithfulness to this scripture yes um, and i'm I'm really excited to get into the, this conversation but um yeah why don't you take us quickly into a recap first
2: Peter three eight through twelve uh, we see that he shifts and it's kind of like a conclusion right so It begins with finally there in verse 8, finally all of you. In the previous sections, he was addressing specific groups, Christians, how they relate to government, Christian slaves, how they relate to their masters, Christian wives, how they relate to their husbands, and Christian husbands, how they relate to their wives. But here, he's addressing all of his readers. And then in the beginning of verse 8, we see that he begins with these virtues that they're all of his readers, his Christian readers, are supposed to uh, display or exhibit against amongst one th- one another. My goodness, can't talk. Here, here are these virtues that you're supposed to have amongst one one another. And then he talks about uh, in verse nine how to respond or the right response to uh, a hostile society. And then ver- in verses ten and twelve, he grounds his exhortation in uh, in an Old Testament citation. So hey here's how you act in community with one another, here's how you respond to a hostile society and then here's here's really the basis or here's the perspective that you're to maintain throughout this Christian life. and what we see in Psalm 34, the, the citation that he, he uses there in 10 and 12, it's it talks about how the, how the Lord, He watches, he he listens to the righteous, those who do good, but his his face is against those who do evil. So he's he's watching his children. He's watching those who are in Christ Jesus. He's listening eagerly, but he's against those uh, who do evil.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Ronnie, what were some of your big takeaways from the message?
2: Well,
1: it was very reminiscent of my growing up. In a church where, where my pastor really would get up there and he would preach, and he he would he was very uh, passionate mm-hmm. and very he would tell the truth, and, and that's what we get at City Church, of course. But uh, this preacher right here, this pastor sitting beside me, he I thought he was going to fly away <laughs> a couple of times, and uh, and I was hoping that we'd get to go with him, you know, yeah. but. Uh, uh, just being, as you said, he was very, being, you know, laid he laid himself out there and was honest. And he challenged each one of us to be honest. And that was very uncomfortable for me because yeah. to be honest with myself and to be challenged by the word, to not think of Ronnie always yeah. and not look for the easy way and just be aware that... It's not about me, yeah, and that's the whole thing. Uh, as o- the older I get, and you brought up sanctification, and that's the thing that's really on my mind this year. Um, the Lord's challenging me to look at every situation, as I've said at church uh, in a small group, challenging me. He he is putting things before me, and I want to be able to recognize yeah. life situations, mm-hmm. not just oh, that's a really bad situation, or that's, hey, that's a good situation, or, you know, but to look at everything as the sanctification process in my life. That's good. And it's, to be honest, basically, and that's the, that is the biggest thing I got out of this was that I've got to be honest, and I've got to be transparent, and I'm, y'all pray for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was that rangers don't cry. Yes, <laughs> Our eyes sweat. <laughs> yeah, your your eyes sweat. I think that was my biggest takeaway from the message. But no, seriously, I think the the theme of it was you can't do church at arm's length. And I think um, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us can be guilty of that from time to time, where we come to church and we check it off the box. And honestly, like this, this passage right here, you know, when I was originally reading, it didn't seem like one of those that would personally challenged it doesn't <laughs> yeah and like we we've been personally challenged over the last few weeks looking at you know slaves and masters wives and husbands and uh, submitting to government authorities like oh that's that's some tough sensitive stuff and it's like okay this is just kind of wrapping everything up nope <laughs> um but see, like when when we look at you know having these these five virtues that you identified of unity of mind sympathy brotherly love a tender heart and a humble mind like we have to remove ourselves from the equation. Think about the Lord first, our sanctification, and and subsequently other people and other people in the church so that we can respond to suffering and we can respond to a, uh, a hostile society against us and we can be unified. But if, if we keep people at arm's length, none of those things is possible. If we just do church just our way and the Western Individualism, and we keep with that mentality. The church is going to look no different than the world. And if we truly want to look different and, and bring people into the fold by that attraction, like you ident- identified in X two, like that is where it starts. So, yeah. So, which one of those, if you wanted to identify one, Marcus, uh, of those like five virtues, like really like spoke to you as you were preparing. Was there one that you spent like more time on than the others?
2: Well, so there's, when you look at, at the five virtues, right, it, it starts with unity of mind and then it ends with a humble mind. So what we see in the structure of this is Peter's trying to draw, it's called a, a, a chiasm or a, a chiasm or however you want to pronounce it. But anyways, it's a rhetorical device right before Bible passages were enumerated and things like that. Like yeah. you looked for these little clues to really know what to hone in on, where things started and stopped and everything else. But what we see in this structure, he, he's bracketing it. And so we get pairs, right? Mind and mind pair together. So the first and the fifth pair together. Um, then you look at sympathy and you look at a tender heart, and those are very close, uh, closely related as well. So yeah. that leaves one uh, one other one, and it's brotherly love that really is is sort of like the highlight right so if you're if you're imagining you're building up to brotherly love and then you're coming down from brotherly love brotherly love being the one that that is the highest or or really holds all of these together yeah um so we didn't necessarily spend a ton of time there but you know in my preparation it's like not only am I recognizing this uh, the structure that Peter's putting together but what I'm what I'm seeing here is that that each of these implies that you care more about your brother or sister in Christ than you do yourself. Uh, and the issue with that, and not the issue with that, there's no problem with what the Word says, but it's our ability to carry it out because, like you said, we're so individualistic. We're, we're so consumed with with what we need and what we want and what our expectations are, and it's like there's there's an increased desire to like, man, if I'm not getting exactly what I want and what I want now or what I expect and what I expect now, like I have no ability to, to bear the scars and the marks of my brother and sister in Christ, you know, either um, not responding to invitations to hang out or, you know, whatever the case is. So we start, we were talking or we started with, you know, playing church, the the board game, and we had a few things in there, um, but really, it it's brotherly love. If we can, if we can love our brothers and sisters in Christ, like the rest of these fall into place, yeah. enduring with one another. And what happens is what you're alluding to. What happens when the church, when when the the people of God care more about the family of God than they do themselves? We see we see this impossible unity, right, or seemingly impossible unity, a, a unity that you can't get, that can't be achieved anywhere else. It could only be achieved through uh, through Christ and, and what He's done in this community, through the Holy Spirit living inside of, of His people, drawing them to be more and more like Him. But if we keep playing church, if we keep playing the game, we're just going to continue to look, like the world, and the world's just going to continue to reject it. But if if we strive for these virtues, strive for unity, consider our brothers and sisters in Christ more important than ourselves, then we see something beautiful happen, um, and the world will respond to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you brought up um, the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, where, you know, Jesus is talking about how the, the people are one. Yep as he and the father are one we are one with him and god and all of us are one together like there's so much unity in that in that picture but the the takeaway that i got from that is like that he is the one that has made us unified he is the one that unifies his church he is the one that makes it possible and you know we 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 look at this passage and we can kind of get the sense of like oh we just need to try harder at getting along with our brothers and sisters but we don't spend enough time relying on the Holy spirit for that. Like when you say strive for unity, that's not meaning, well, I just need to just completely disregard everything. The Holy spirit is trying to you know tell me it's like, I just need to put my foot in the ground and try harder and do this. But we, we seek the Lord. We humble ourselves through to, to the word. And then also we humble ourselves to each other in, in the power of the Holy spirit. Like it is like this, it is impossible unity for humans. But it is possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. So first, I think we need to identify the, the power and the source behind that. And then we, we continue on with, with adhering to these virtues of having that unity of mind and uh, laying down our interests for others.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, my takeaway with the virtues was uh, a kind heart, a tender heart, You know, being tender hearted, uh, uh, and how you described it and you went into the meaning of the word, it, um, that, you know, it's a deep, deep feeling. It's a deep, deep um, virtue. Yeah, <laughs> It's real. It's more than a feeling. It's just not something that you look at someone who is in need and you know it and you look at them, and as you said, bless your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope you get better or something like that. And I, and I, I know I can do that so easily. And uh, the Lord is dealing with me on that before your sermon Sunday and just been reading these scriptures over and over and over. And I know that the Holy Spirit wants to empower me. He wants to empower uh, each member of our church, our local body, to depend, as you said, Mm -hmm. as you said, to to depend upon him for that power and, and let Jesus, our unifier, who made everything possible, we don't want to be hypocrites. Right. We don't want to just say, oh, you know, God bless you. And that's where I am in situations. I, I really want to be more genuine yeah, and uh, less selfish. And God's dealing with me in that. And he's opening my eyes on certain situations. And, and it's, it's amazing how certain interactions have changed. Yeah. in
0: my situation with a certain person and,
1: <laughs>
0: and yeah, yeah. that's good. So going back to what you said um, earlier, Marcus about like keeping people at arm's length, I think th- at least with, for me, there's a temptation to just kind of be close to just my, my core group of people, the click. I think you talked about it on Sunday of like, we just have our, our core clicks and that's who we open up to. That's who we, you know, bear the burdens with and, I think we can almost use the example of Jesus with his disciples as an excuse for us to just yep I'm good with me and two other guys, you know, three or four other people, three or four other couples and like I don't need to focus on anything else and like the rest of everybody else like I can kind of, you know, just do my thing and not really get in, involved with them, but I mean you also look at at Jesus and you look at every interaction he had no matter if it was with his inner inner group or just a random woman on the side of the road, he had a tender heart and he was deeply affected by their situation in in every interaction he had. And I think like even more so for our local body, even though they may not be a part of your core group, or your core clique, um, I, I love how Jared says it. He says, let's, let's kill the cliques. And I mean, he used that for, for youth ministry for a while, but I think it goes even farther into just the, 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 the whole body as a whole and you know ma- what does it look like to just go up to someone you haven't talked to before get to know them on a, on a more personal level let's you know let's go get coffee and like let's start to get to know each other bear each other's burdens because I mean you know you're not just going to meet someone on a Sunday and then share the whole life story but you start that process of caring for one another moving outside of your comfort zone a little bit you know in the structure of of this local church and then then people start seeing that people are more attracted to it but also you are more able and apt to do that outside of the the church inviting people into the body with you
2: i was just going to say would you know when we there's definitely there's definitely value in having a handful of people who you know you are hanging out with regularly doing life at a at a deeper level with um, the problem you know when we when we do that as as sinners right when when we try to just do life with a handful of people we become exclusively loyal to those people um, and that hinders our ability to see i would say issues that arise either because of those people or from a a unifying perspective so let me just Give you a hypothetical. Say I have a best friend. His name is Joe. Me and Joe, we go to the same church. All we do, you know, we talk to one another. We hang out with one another. We pray with one another. study the Bible with one another. All that's great stuff. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if I go in week after week, week and only talk to Joe, only go deep with Joe, well, then I'm one really kind of ignoring my brothers and sisters in Christ. But let's say I'm not. Let's just say, you know, I'm doing it really well. Now, either... Let's say Joe stumbles into sin or Joe is part of a situation um, at the church because things happen at church, right? We're people. But I take a side. I take Joe's side because I'm doing life with him. I'm exclusively loyal to him because that's my click. Now I'm part of a, a bigger division and dissension as I go ahead and advocate Um, for Joe, whether, let's say he's right or wrong, instead of advocating for unity, reconciliation, things like that, that's where it it gets really hard when we talk about cliques. Yeah. That like when, because we are so easily, uh, we, we so easily lose sight of the bigger picture, lose sight of church unity. And we, and we get so narrow, narrow minded, um, and pick sides when the side is like, it's Christ, right? Like that's who we need to be loyal to first. And, and in any situation, there's typically wrong on both sides, um, things that need to be handled and dealt with. But if we are exclusively loyal to one party or one group, we do not promote unity or reconciliation. Yeah. In my experience uh, being at City Church,
1: uh, coming up two years this year, I'm learning more people. And also, I'm being challenged, not just the people that I've been introduced to and mingled with here and there, but uh, there's new people. There's new couples. There's new singles. There's new families coming in, and it's amazing. And it's to me, it's a bit overwhelming from my, my brain because I'm so honest about one thing. I have Awful, tr- t- an awful time remembering names, and and I, and I go, I'll go up to these people again, and I say, I'm going to ask you a question that I'm sure I've asked you and you've answered for me. But what's your name? <laughs> and and they just laugh, and I'm glad. But that's where I'm trying to figure out who people are, what you know, where they're coming from, what brought them to Gainesville, and things like that. That stuff interests me. And I think if I can be honest with them and make fun that I can't remember their name sometimes, yeah. you know, that maybe they'll forgive me and they'll say, but you're Ronnie. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. U- and they usually do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So um, we, we, we've kind of talked about that, that need to, to put aside our interests for the interests of others and, and being part of the body. Um, I do want to like highlight a quote you said about, Marcus about how spiritual growth and community are not isolated. Um, what, why, where do you think this like dichotomy first came from, and like why do you think it's such a big issue in the church today?
2: Where do I think it came from? Um, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I, I I seriously I don't know where it came from. Um, I just know that I I so often hear like this idea that that if, you know, we're spending time in the Word or in serious Bible study or trying to go deeper, we're missing the community or the relational aspect of church. Um, And then if you're too deep in the relational aspect and it's just one big hangout, um, nothing inherently wrong with that necessarily, but, you know, when it's, when you embrace one side of the spectrum and ignoring the others, you're missing the boat. Um, Jesus, he, he, Walked with his disciples every single day, and he taught them at every single moment. Like we see snapshots of it in the Gospels, but like you go to dinner with Jesus, somebody comes and anoints his head with oil. He's teaching. You you go uh, fishing with Jesus. He's teaching. You go on a trip across the sea with Jesus. He's teaching. You go, um, you know, you go to the the synagogue on the way there. You go to. To the well, like, he he's always teaching. There was never a point where he he was just, just hanging out to hang out. Like, what we see in there is, like, hanging out had a purpose. So, you know, there's, like, we have to reject this notion that that there's, you know, there's these times where, you know, we have to be just about one thing. It's like, oh, well, we just need to hang out more. Yeah, we do, but we can't just hang out to hang out. Like... Like, that's great, but man, I don't know. It, it's where it came from, no clue. I just know that it's not the answer.
0: Right. Yeah, and I don't know. I just, I was really convicted uh, this week when you were talking through, through some of that of like, you know, I think myself and maybe others from my generation, I think we're, we're so caught up in like our spiritual needs of what we need to have given to us and like what, how we need to be filled on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night that like we come in and that's what we're focused on. You know, like we, we go into a small group, we, we want community, we want friendship. And like, that's how we feel. That's, that's the need we perceive as like most needed in that moment. We need the people to, you know, j- to be around and just to hang out with to to quote unquote rest, you know? And I think there, there's definitely times for that. Like we don't always have to be doing a Bible study 24 yeah. seven, but I think we can kind of be misled when our first notion coming into a church gathering is what spiritual needs do I need to be filled? Yep. Instead you can, you can have an expectation that your spiritual needs will be fulfilled because you're going to be in a Christian community and you're going to be studying about and worshiping the Lord and he is going to provide for you. But you can, you can also ask yourself, it's like, okay, you know, who's like, who can I be here for today? Or how can I worship the Lord today? Like making that your first motivation rather than, you know, what, what, what do I need? Right. That that, that can, that can quick, quickly really, really turn into just outright selfishness. And, You know, like, yeah, there's a lot of times where I come in feeling burnt out, you know, coming into the week like and just feeling like, oh, I just, you know, can't give another ounce of whatever. But but the Lord provides and he's going to provide and and realizing that I can do both spiritual growth and be in community together by just just being a part of this body and growing with them and not just focusing on what I need. But instead, focusing on what I can provide to this body, I think that is start like that can start making that transition better.
2: Yeah, I mean, think about it. Right, we just talked about Jesus walked with his disciples for three years every day. We spend three and a half hours a week together as a church. Right, yeah. you have an hour and a half roughly on Sunday, and then you have two hours on Wednesday three and a half hours in a 168-hour week. You spend more time sleeping. You spend more time at work. You spend more time watching TV, generally speaking, or on social media or whatever the case is. Like, you spend way more time, the average person spends way more time doing anything else except for being in and around their brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, And, you know, the, the time for personal Bible study, obviously that changes, but generally speaking, that's pretty low on the totem pole as well. So when, when you combine all of those things, when, let's say you are just hanging out, right? Let's say you are just, um, you go to, let's say you go to a Bible study and you're expressing needs. You're saying, man, I'm really struggling with this. I'm burnt out or whatever the case is. It's like, What that assumes, in order for those needs to be met, is that your brothers and sisters in Christ know enough to minister to you. But if they are spending only three and a half hours a week with their brothers and sisters in Christ, if they are spending a minimal amount of time in the Word, like how can they effectively minister to you and point you back to the cross without these cheap Christian statements like, just give it to the Lord? Like, yes, yeah, that's the right answer. It it, it never fails in church. However, however, help me understand if my, uh, if a child just passed away, or if, you know, I'm going through, if I'm dealing with sickness or disease or whatever the case is, or you know, I just lost my job. Help me, walk me to Jesus. I can't just go to the cross. I don't know how to just give it to him. Help me do that. And if we don't know enough um, about who God is. Um, and what he's done for us in Christ. If we don't know enough about his word, we're just going to point people back to, you know, the cross, quote-unquote, with these cheap, sensational statements.
0: Yeah, and I think that that mindset of just coming to church and getting your needs met first, I think that can also put up a wall to other people ministering to you because we don't want to wade into the mess with other people regarding you know their sin their struggles and honestly we don't really want to be completely honest with them about ours and so we just avoid the mess altogether and we think getting our needs met is is just avoiding the mess itself but in reality you know when we are ministering to others when we wade into the mess of just daily life with other people then you know we're able to minister to other people they're able to minister to us and it's a mutual growth you know spiritual growth in community.
1: You just hit it. It was like a, I've been trying to remember the scripture here um, as y'all were talking, but um, I think it's Paul where he says, you know, when they, when the church comes together, I don't know who said it, but anyway, uh, if any of you have a song, you know, sing a song, if any of you have a word, give a word, you know, and that tells me that these people that's, This early church, while they were not meeting at some times during the day, they were living and worshiping and serving individually and growing closer to the Lord. And then as they came together, they were able to be instruments because they're a body. They're the the, the body of Christ, and the body takes care of itself. You know, the body, unless there's something wrong in that body you know, some disease going on, something that's not right, you know, it's going to, the body wants to take care of itself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't want to kill itself. It doesn't want to cut off an arm or a leg. Right. And that's where, you know, it is legitimate to say, oh, gosh, you know, I've got to go to church. I need some needs. Man, yeah, every single one of us. But, you know, we've got to get to that point where you are saying, how do we learn how, out of those few hours? Yeah. You know, we can't depend on those few hours. I can't depend right. on you. I can't depend on a small group to give me everything. To do. I've got to take what I get at church and apply it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going in circles, but still, that's I, I read that maybe a couple years ago, that how the, the early church came together. And was just ministering to one another, right? No one was a big I, a big you, a little you, you know, or anything. They they loved each other, and they were being added to the church day Day by day.
0: Yeah, I was um, reading an article on like how Paul viewed the church um, yesterday, and it and he was viewing salvation in in the sense of like it was a community event. Like I think we we heard about this from. Uh, Corbin a few weeks ago in in first peter but how when he talks about people in or being saved in Christ it was a corporate activity mm-hmm. you know they were saved as a body and he and he he did talk about you know individuals being saved and having a personal relationship with god but more than that like the the context for um, the early church and even what peter's bringing up here in in this uh, epistle is it is a, a Christianity is a very very corporate communal entity, and you cannot do this alone, and you cannot do this at arm's length. So, um, any any final thoughts on like how you would encourage someone who who has struggled with this um, in terms of you know having that individual mindset um, coming into the church and like like how would you encourage them to you know get involved and start into that process?
2: Um, I would encourage them to try every single church that they can in their human experience and to keep one thing in mind while they do it, that they will never find a place that immediately meets all of their spiritual needs for their entire Christian experience. Like at some point, you know, there are going to be decisions. Or the church is going to go in different directions. The people are going to be uh, maybe closed off at some times. Like, it's either you do it the Lord's way, you do church the Lord's way, which is ugly, it's bitter, it's nasty because we're sinners, but it's ultimately the most rewarding and the most gratifying and, and exactly what he designed and exactly what we need. So, you know, go and and try as many churches as you want, but when you find one, not that meets all your needs, when you look, when it becomes about others instead of about self and perceived self needs, there's something so beautiful that happens. It's, it allows you to it allows you to be used in in such a great way to lead change. It it gives you, um, the Lord gives you such a great endurance and experience in it all in the goods and the bads. I'm not one of those people that think it has to always be sunshine and rainbows and this (laughs) exciting experience all the time. I know that real life hurts sometimes. I know that real relationships aren't always fun But those are the ones that are always worth it,
0: for sure. What about you, Ronnie? Any any final encouragements for the listener?
1: Realize that we are selfish. Um, You said we're redeemed, we're saved, we're forgiven. But deep down, we are wicked. Mm -hmm. Our nature is, and none of us like to. uh, None wants to admit that. I don't want to admit that, but it's true. Anyone who knows me knows it's true. Uh, but this is, like you said, real ministry, real church life, real living in the body of Christ is at times messy, painful, and it can either make us or break us depending on our, if we're willing to lay it down, you know, taking up our cross daily. Carrying that cross daily, wow, what does that mean? I've got to be obedient. I've got to say, okay, I don't like this, but I've been called to this, and I've been called to it for a purpose, and Christ will be glorified, and I will be built up and sanctified mm-hmm. into more of his, closer to his image. Yeah. That he's trying right. daily. And that's, there's that sanctification thing again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm now realizing that we are already at 35 minutes and we haven't even touched on like the last two verses. But listener, you can, you can study that on your own and and bring it to church and we can talk about it together. But uh, one last thing that I'll say uh, that you were talking about, Marcus, about is the importance of prayer. And I was studying this morning and I'm like, how, how is such an individual activity like prayer? Like, how does that play into this, you know, community activity of church? And, but in, in reality, it's like prayer leads us to trust the Lord more. And if we can understand that the Lord has all of our needs met and we can trust in him with our past, present and future, like why would we be worried about us getting our own needs met when we come into the church building? You know, so it helps us to have a better understanding and trust of the Lord. And I mean, you said just something so convicting on Sunday. It's like, you know, what an insult prayerlessness is to God when he, when he says like, you know, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. He is waiting to listen to us, waiting to hear from us, waiting to hear our requests and when we take those requests to God first, our needs will be met by Him. We can trust in Him, and then we're better able to commune with our brothers and sisters and, and wade into the, some of those messes with, with each other and minister to each other. So, you know, take take everything to the Lord first in prayer and then to the church, and and let's just do this life together.
2: Let me just real quick. You yeah. just said something that, boom. We will not see the needs of our brothers and sisters. If our eyes are on our own.
0: Yeah.
2: We cannot do. it. It's just, it's not possible.
0: Boom. Oh, dang it. okay. Um, <laughs> well, well, listener, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we hope that you were blessed by this conversation and I would encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon that Marcus preached. Um, it was, it was really good and provides a lot of context for our conversation today. And, um, you can join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at City Church in Gainesville and then Wednesdays at 6 p.m. for our meal in discipleship on Wednesday nights. But until next time.